Welcome to this World Goodwill Meditation Group webinar. We are the 29th of December 2021. I am Mince van der Velde and I'm speaking from Geneva. At the end of this calendar year we have chosen the topic of where do we find hope in these testing times for our reflections of today. After some introductory thoughts on this topic, we will have our goodwill meditation, followed by some thoughts from Steve Nation in New York. And thereafter, we will have time for discussion with all of you on this theme. The Goodwill Meditation Group is a worldwide group of people who link together in thought each week to meditate upon the energy of goodwill. The group's purpose is to stimulate and increase the use of goodwill in a troubled world. It functions, uh, its function is to act as a channel through which the energy of goodwill can flow more abundantly from spiritual levels into the hearts and minds of all people. The Goodwill Meditation Group is motivated and spurred on in its effort by the urgent worldwide need for right human relations. Many other things are needed by humanity at this time, but right relationships are needed most of all. And the basic quality and most potent factor which will lead towards this end is the potent and harmonizing energy of goodwill. It has been said that goodwill is the additional factor, that magic ingredient which when brought into any situation can produce right relations. We are living in one of the greatest crisis eras in all hum human history. Issues of peace and war, poverty and abundance, of racial, political and industrial conflict face us on every side. Religious divisions and the clash between age and youth are likewise present. And underlying all of this is the basic conflict between material and spiritual values between self-interest and world service. And yet there is a universal recognition that humanity is entering a new age. The decisive, the decisive question today is whether we can solve our problems before they get out of control. The race is on for the future and men and women of goodwill in the world can guarantee a successful outcome. So. To come together in this webinar, let's first take a minute of silence and then voice the mantra of the new group of world servers. May the power of the one life pour through the group of all true servers. May the love of the one soul characterize the lives of all who seek to aid the great ones. May we fulfill our part in the one work through self-forgetfulness, harmlessness, um and right speech. Thank you. In this short introduction, I want to <coughs> Sorry, in the short introduction on the theme of hope in these testing times, I would like to start with a discussion of some ideas from a book which is titled Humankind, a Hopeful History. I repeat, Humankind, a Hopeful History, written by the Dutch historian and author Rutger Brechtman. But before going into the subject of that book, I would suggest to keep two thoughts in mind, both very well known to most of us. One 
is that energy follows thought. If we assume that good and bad exist, then energy can flow in the good or right direction or in the bad or wrong direction, all based on our thoughts. Whether we like it or not, and whether we are aware of it or not, energy follows our thoughts, individually, but also collectively. The second is the as-if technique, which is perhaps a corollary of the first thought. If we want to get rid of some glamours, for example, we can start by doing as if we are free from these glamours. In the Dutch original book of Brechtman, the title is De Meeste Mense Deugen, which in English would be Most people are decent, or most people are okay. Brechtman says himself that this is a book for those who have lost their faith in humanity. In Western culture there is a war, uh, sorry, in Western culture there is what he calls a veneer theory, where civilization is only a thin layer on top of a world of selfish, nasty people, sometimes even monsters. Brechtman does not agree with this and states that people are genuinely decent, friendly and good. Throughout the book of Brechtman, two lines of thought are present. One is advocated by the philosopher Hobbes, who lived at the end of the 16th century. According to Hobbes, human beings are driven by fear, fear of the other, fear of death, belong for safety and have a perpetual and restless desire of power after power that ceases only in death. The result? According to Hobbes, a condition of war all against all. In this approach, people are basically bad and selfish, and only the state or civil society can keep them at check. The opposite is proposed by Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who lived in the end of the 18th century. He was born in Geneva, by the way. For Rousseau, people are basically good, friendly, helpful towards each other, and it is exactly the state or civil society that is spoiling things. At first, Brechtman was more on the side of Hobbes. Much of our Western world, including economy, psychology, philosophy, social science, etc., embraces Hobbes' point of view, a society of competition. Think of Darwin's evolution theory of survival of the fittest, etc. Recent scientific research of the last two decades, however, in all kinds of fields, turns these ideas upside down. There is a real shift going on in many fields of scientific research. Evolution researchers, for example, come now to the conclusion that it is more about survival of the friendliest, which pushed progress. During 90 to 95% of the human history, that means the time that we were here walking on this planet, we were nomads and gatherers traveling the earth. These people could only survive when working together. It is only the last 5% of human history where we settled, started agriculture with properties, villages, cities, etc. In psychology there is a so-called bystander effect, which means when an emergency occurs, for example somebody falls in a river, most people just stand by and don't do anything. This idea was taught in most psychology books. But nowadays, with cameras all over the place in our cities, the scientific data simply show the opposite. In 90% of the emergencies, people do help each other, and often not only one isolated individual, but several people react, without thinking, as often there is no time to think. Often these people do not consider themselves a hero. For them it is the natural way of doing. 
Another example is the so-called Stanford Prison Experiment done by Philip Zimbardo at Stanford University in 1971. Nine students volunteered to be inmates of a prison and another nine as guards of the prison. What happens next sent shockwaves around the world. In a matter of days, the Stanford prison experiment spins out of control and in the process reveals some grim truths about human nature. The answer codes something like this. On 15 August 1971, a group of ordinary students morphed into monsters, not because they were bad people, but because they had been put in a bad situation. You can take normal people from good schools and happy families and good neighborhoods and powerfully affect their behavior, we are told, merely by changing the immediate details of their situation. Philip Zimbardo would later swear up and down that nobody could have suspected his experiment would get so out of hand. Afterwards he had to conclude that we are all capable of the most heinous facts. What happened in the basement of Stanford University had to be understood, he wrote, as a natural consequence of being in the uniform of a guard. These findings have been perpetrated a long time in psychology courses. When, however, years later, the archives of Stanford University were opened and the real course of the events were shown, it became clear that the whole experiment was a hoax. The guards were incited, if not forced by the university staff of the experiment, to a violent, aggressive attitude and this often against their own will. This was done because otherwise nothing interesting would, become, uh, would come out of the experiment. Of course human beings are not angels. When we look at wars, for example, lots of violence and atrocities have been present. Yet, recent research among soldiers of the First and Second World War shows that about 90% of the soldiers didn't fire their weapons. For ordinary people, killing a man isn't that easy, even in a war. Since these studies, the military of today train their fighters psychologically by almost brainwashing them to kill. This comes with the cost of many post-traumatic disorders when these soldiers come back from war. The book is full of examples debunking ideas based on hobbyist theories. Why don't we hear so much of all that? One factor is that the news we daily consume on the radio, the newspaper, the television, social media, in general focuses on the negative. Imagine you preferred news reporter saying, Hi everyone, I'm here in the middle of nowhere. The sun shines and there is no sign of war. Well, this of course we all easily agree is no news. And yet, it is the reality in 99.9% .9 of all the places of the world. So, we should be aware of the fact that the news is biasing us towards the negative. I remember a North American co-worker of an NGO we are working with together here in Geneva who, during the Trump era, said that each morning after reading his morning news he was consistently tired and depressed. Bregman, the author of the book, in the epilogue of the book gives 10 rules to live by. One of these rules is simply to not watch the news. Scientists have also studied the placebo effect and its opposite, the nocebo effect. This actually works on a wider scale than we imagine. Remember that I started out by the statement that energy follows thought. When we think positive about a situation or a procedure, that really helps to make the outcome positive, what scientists call the placebo effect. But when we think negative about a situation or a procedure, that makes the outcome negative, what scientists call the nocebo effect, and indeed can, me can make people really sick. 
Based on recent scientific research, the book gives plenty of examples in education, in healthcare, economics, etc. And in all these cases, the balance of hobbies, which means man is evil, self is greedy, versus Rousseau, which means man is good, friendly and helpful, the balance tips to the side of Rousseau. That is why the book in Dutch is titled Most People Are Simply Decent. Wouldn't that correspond to people of goodwill? Indeed, most people are of goodwill. World goodwill encourages the use of that positive energy, goodwill, to foster right human relations on this planet. It also states that this energy has never been as active in history as of mankind as today. Bregman's book, Humankind, A Hopeful History, underpins these findings with lots of recent scientific data. This book is not going to make this planet a heaven on earth overnight. But it does give hope, hope that despite all the negative news, a new world is emerging. With these thoughts I in mind, let's now go to end our goodwill meditation. Link up in thought with all those people throughout the world who are working with this Goodwill Meditation Group. Reflect upon the fact of relationship. You are related to your family. Your community. Your nation. the world of nations and the one humanity made up of all races and nations. voice the mantra of unification. The souls of all are one, and I am one with them. I seek to love, not hate. I seek to serve and not exact due service. I seek to heal, not hurt. Let pain bring due reward of light and love. Let the soul control the outer form, and life, and all events, and bring to light the love that underlies the happenings of the time. Let vision come and insight. Let the future stand revealed. Let inner union demonstrate and outer cleavages be gone. Let love prevail. Let all people love.
Reflect upon your own and humanity's relationship with all beings who dwell in the higher realms of mind and heart, the spiritual hierarchy of saints, rishis, bodhisattvas and masters honored by all the world's religions and spiritual groups. Imagine that you are standing together within the center of the spiritual hierarchy, immersed in the consciousness of the heart of love. For some, this heart of love is known as the Christ. Other faiths have other names for the one at the center, such as Maitreya, the Imam Mahdi, or the Kalki Avatar. Maintaining that high point of contact, let your thoughts reach out to include all members of the human family in whom the energy of goodwill is active. Silently use the affirmation, 
in the center of all love I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the Divine Self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. Visualize the energy of love flowing from the hierarchy through the men and women of goodwill and into the hearts and minds of all people, infusing them with goodwill and creating loving and harmonious human relationships. Meditate on ways of spreading goodwill, creating right human relationships and restoring peace on earth.
Realize that you are helping to build a channel between the spiritual hierarchy and humanity, through which the energy of goodwill may flow, uniting humanity, solving its problems and healing all differences and cleavages. linked in thought with men and women of goodwill all over the world, we say the great invocation. We say it with deliberation and full commitment to its meaning, knowing that we are radiating its potent energy to humanity. The great invocation. From the point of light within the mind of God. Let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you, Minsa. Thank you for that. Greetings, everybody, and a very, you know, this is a really special time between the peak sort of sacred season from different traditions, particularly the Christmas season, and um, the new year. And so it's really wonderful that we have 113 um, together here to do this work with that meditation. And that's a really lovely way to be moving forward with these energies, Mensa, so thank you for that. So, the theme we're, we're sort of trying to hold in mind is where do we find hope 
in these testing times, because they really are difficult times. As we approach the entrance into a new year, this is a great time to reflect on how we think about the future and what seems realistic and possible in the future. Because we're living in testing and challenging times, the question of where we find hope reaches right into the depths of our being. Each one of us has to answer that for ourselves. So much around us seems chaotic, disoriented, divided and confused. The noise of criticism flooding the airways can easily overwhelm our sense of what is right and good, of what Rutger Bregman speaks of in his whole analysis of the whole history of the human family. And it's precisely because of these difficulties, these testing times, that we need to seek out any seeds of hope that we find within and really explore these seeds for ourselves. Care for them. Give them attention. Only as we explore the depths of hope within ourselves can we begin to serve in the revitalization of hope and faith in the future for our communities and nations and for humanity as a whole. And don't forget, because it's only in very recent decades, such a recent time in human history, that we're beginning to become conscious of ourselves as a species, as part of a vast planetary system of interpenetrating ecologies and cosmologies. This idea that's so central to all the wisdom teachings of the ancient ones is only recently, very recently, coming into the public mind. And so, drawing on the meditation we've just worked with, it might be useful to try to trace a path for hope from the most essential response to the questions, who am I, who on earth am I, and who are we as a group, who are we as a human family, through to the more challenging question of where can we find meaning in the present chaos in the world. Meditation provides a ground from which we can build this goodwill meditation. For the essence of hope that informs the meditation is the reality of the soul within us. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if we take this reality beyond religion, we stand face to face with the most intimate area of the psyche, where the other world of the sacred, with its awesome power of lighted angels, saints and ancestors of all traditions, reaches right into the intimacy of the mind and emotions and will of the incarnated personal self. This is the space that we have to give our attention to. For hope is to be found in the reality of this picture of the human as soul and personality. And hope is to be found because the soul is always present. The redeeming potency of the inner Christ is a part of the narrative of the human world and the narrative of the world of social relations. The power of this potency is expressed through the most humble of qualities, goodwill this natural human orientation towards goodness, beauty, truth, justice, freedom, that's such a feature of Rutger Bregman's approach to history. Because goodwill is a part of the human psyche, because it reflects the soul in action, there is a movement in history to structure relationships, arts, professions, politics, economics, in ways that reflect a harmonious balance between soul and personality, between wholeness and separation. But we're talking about a long, vast timescale. And it's this dynamic in history that I believe is where we find ourselves today. For the narrative for our time can be thought of as a narrative of preparing for collective initiation at some level or other. And another way of putting this is to speak of a narrative of the reappearance of Christ. May the coming one return to earth. And hence the testing for each one of us is to find our inner metal, 
our inner strength where we choose to follow a conscious path to move beyond the simple belief in the powers of light and love and to do the work, the daily work, the lifetime's work of integrating soul and personality, not something that can be rushed, just working at the coalface. And to do this, we need to train the mind and heart in its orientation to the soul and to the soul's ability to heal, redeem and transform, unveil and enlighten. Looking out into the world from the perspective of an active soul leading humanity into a place of initiation. Looking out at the world from such a perspective can transform the way we see what's happening in the world. For then we can see that in the midst of despair, suffering, loss of faith, stripping away of long-held sentimental attachments to dogmas and doctrines, my country, my faith, my beliefs, my theories, that the choice to focus on goodwill is a courageous response to turmoil. It's courageous because it requires an independent, it has to be done by the individual themselves, self-chosen, personal individual response to find our own authentic way to respond to the times with goodwill and with a will to empower that energy of goodwill in others. For me, the simple purity of the current president of the UN General Assembly's choice of five rays of hope as the theme for his year as president of the General Assembly is a good way of looking at how problems can be framed in the language of goodwill, and essentially the language of the soul. Every year, UN member states elect a permanent representative, an individual, of one of the members of one of the member states to preside over the affairs of the General Assembly. The individual chosen often plays a key role in guiding the agenda and creating an environment of negotiation and consensus building within the Assembly. The current president, His Excellency Abdullah Shahid, hails from a small island state a tiny state with a population of 555,000, the Maldives. And as the world seeks to respond to COVID and to all the arguments and all the alternative perspectives that have risen over COVID, the new president has chosen as a vision statement for the General Assembly, a vision statement for his year as president, five rays of hope for a world in desperate need of unity and solidarity. Desperate need, we might say, of a new spirit of companionship and of a new sense of belonging, belonging together as human beings and belonging in the world of nature. The rays of hope are briefly outlined in a recent post on the Wellgood Will at the UN blog. You can find this blog at um, wellgoodwill.org slash UN underscore WG. These are the um, five rays of hope that the President has outlined. First ray, recovering from COVID-19. Second ray, rebuilding sustainably. Third ray, responding to the needs of the planet. Fourth ray, respecting the rights of all. Fifth ray, revitalizing the United Nations. As the Wokable blog article points out, Abdullah Shahid's reference to rays of hope will not go unnoticed by esoteric students. This isn't to suggest in any way that they reflect some hidden interest on his part in any branch of the Aegis wisdom, at least not as far as I'm aware. But what it does suggest is an attempt to call the people who work at the UN and the people of goodwill in the world to focus on what cooperation between governments and peoples can reasonably be expected to achieve. These rays of hope can be an inspiration for every person of goodwill 
to seek to design a life in the light of their own philosophy and understanding that is a humble expression of their will, their self-chosen will, to create an environment conducive to these rays of hope and future possibilities. To create a life that assists the process of recovering from COVID, that in some small way contributes to rebuilding sustainably, that responds to the needs of the planet, respects the rights of all, and also in some way is one's personal choice to stand in favour of the work of revitalising the United Nations. So thank you, friends. Um, that's We have 110 of us here. So we're going to move into the into uh, an interactive phase and I invite you to respond to the question where do you find hope in these testing times? What's real to you about hope right now? Thank you, Minza. So you can um, bring your comments into the chat um, as you ponder on this. You can also raise your hand and um, we can hear from you. So please, to raise your hand, you click on reactions um, on the bottom, on that bottom panel, and you'll see an opportunity to raise your hand and then we can unmute you um, and hear your thoughts. There are two hands raised. <laughs> Aha. Eleni. Hi, and thank you so much um, for offering what you have offered. And um, I just want to share that um, hope in the, in, in the past for me was something that... Um, I envisioned it almost like um, coming from the outside. And, um, or right now I'm conscious, more conscious of that. And I have realized at some point I said, no more hope this way. And I realized that now hope is, um, is an active engagement in the present moment for me. So there is something about that that is extremely precious uh, to to keep alive every day. Thank you. Wow, thank you, Eleni. I mean, I think that's that to me is the central thing. So if you imagine um, Eleni as like not an archetype but a symbol of hundreds of thousands of people all over the world saying, "I have to take responsibility to find hope in the present." now so that it's real and to me in a way that's a way of looking at the, what's happening in the collective that we are being pushed to see that hope is not something outside that we can expect to come from others there was another hand yeah John Thank you, Steve. What comes to mind immediately is the Greek myth of Pandora's box. You may recall that a box was given and a caution was placed upon it. Be careful if you open it. And when it was opened, all of the maladies and ills which afflict humanity came flying out of the box. War, disease, pestilence, disaster, drought, famine. And the very last thing that came out of Pandora's box was this beautiful butterfly, hope. There's also contained in this legend 
uh, a hidden meaning, Pandora herself, the one who was given the box. Pandora in Greek means all gifts. And so when we think about hope, perhaps in the midst of all the trials and travails that we have, the very last one to be released will be the spirit of hope. And with that, I thank you for the opportunity to comment. That's beautiful, John. Thank you. That's we can we can visualize that box being opened. Um, it's interesting because when we do it, we do visualize just all the chaos that comes. <laughs> that's that's the classic thought of Pandora's box, and yet within that. There's also this precious gift of hope. That's, thank you. Yeah, I would like to just make a little comment on that. We can look at the box from outside, but we can also put that box in our own heart and then try to look what comes out of it. <laughs> and then maybe hope is much more closer to us than when we keep looking at it from the outside. In a way, if you think of the, the spirit of goodwill, that the whole theme of the meditation, that's what, like, goodwill is, is the is the essence of the hope. So that's a beautiful thing to imagine that box being opened and suddenly we see, in the way that Bregman sort of shows history, suddenly we see, wow, there's something there I never realized. And of course, it's always been there, this potential for hope. But as human beings, we have to take responsibility for being people of goodwill. It has to move from instinct to, um, to courage, I think. Yeah. There was another hand raised, but it's now it's gone. Uh, there is one, Bernie. Bernie, yeah. Um, in this last year, I, I came across um, from a friend um, a book and a group. Um, the person is, is uh, Peter Block, who writes a book called Community, uh, The Structure of Belonging. And in that, he focuses on small groups of three or four people. I mean, it can be a, a uh, a gathering of a thousand or more people, but he breaks people up into small groups of three or four to talk and listen to each other. The ground rules are focused on not giving advice, not solving problems, but listening to each other. And he encourages the small group to be um, with uh, people that we don't know um, and that we just generally create space um, for a person to share their feelings and a, and a common question is why is it important to you to be here right now and um for a person to speak from the heart and i truly believe that there is kindness there is beauty there is love in everybody's heart and in the small group uh and and then after the groups meet for 15 minutes or less they get together in the larger group and, and say, what struck you like lightning in that conversation? And you share that. But um, it is in small groups that we share what is in the heart, what is in our soul. And if everybody could learn to do that, um, there is hope. And I truly believe hope is in starts in each of us. Like loving, we need to love ourselves to be able to love others. We need to trust ourselves to trust other people. And it, we have to have that hope in our heart that we can unfold the love that needs to be in the world. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Bernie. Well, could you please put in the chat the name of the um, community, the structure of belonging, the name of the, the person? Who sure, the Peter thing. Block, and I'll do that. Yeah, thank mm -hmm. you. Thank you. Isn't it? Uh, to me, I love you, uh, hearing that. I've not heard of, of, of that particular initiative. 
it's a sign of the fact that we are looking for reality. I mean, that's that's a great way of saying um, let's take responsibility, enter into a what could be a um, not an easy. Certainly, Pandora's box will be opened in that conversation. Um, but to have the courage to do it um, and to imagine that this is what humanity is doing and in a way this is how I understand the General Assembly that's how I understand it. the history of the United Nations is like these um, these archetypes of nations um, coming into interaction and learning to actually communicate Josette Lachier. Okay, thank you. Uh, I believe that the, the deep heart of uh, humanity is good, and uh, the heart of each human being is good in the death. And uh, for me, the, the hope is uh, in the awakening of this uh, art with uh, truth, love, aspiration for uh, truth, and goodwill, of course. Thank you. I, <clears throat> I think that's exactly what goodwill tries to do, to, to, to open up, um, well, the energy, Steve was saying it, it's the energy of the soul or the energy of the heart, whatever name you give to it. And um, I agree that the, the truth and the, the heart are two very um, important, important concepts in, in this whole process. There was one. There was one which I'll read out by Violet Filipovic. We can find hope in the children of today. When asked questions, children often speak truth. I think they always speak truth when you ask them. One young boy was filmed in a class where the children were asked what they wanted for Christmas, and he responded, "Love," and quite loudly. Great. <laughs> Well, just to add to add to that, that's another example in the book of Brechman. It's a different kind of school. I know we have uh, different types of school. The, the standard society has its its uh, its structured schools, but in the Netherlands there is an experiment going on, and it is still allowed by the government, is the, where there is basically no structure at all in the school. There are mentors. There are people who help the children. And of course, the children have to report each week to, to the person uh, what they want and what they want to do. And in the end, they have to go through an exam. But the remarkable thing is that everybody would think, well, that will just be chaos and nothing will happen. And But the contrary is going on. One example is a, a girl who wants to, re to learn Korean, to, to have a career in Korea things you would never come up with if you are on a regular school. And it is amazing what the potential of creative, well, we talk a lot about creative imagination. You simply see it at play if you create the space for it and we, if we don't um, lock it down into structures. So this is another example. It's totally out of the box, but it works and it gives, it gives possibilities which we which we would never have thought of one of the ways I always think with with something like that one of the ways the reasons that it works is because the like the, the facilitators the mentors what we would call the teachers the educators everything depends upon them and that environment if they can evoke um, and push also push people to face conscience, to face, um, really sort of push the environment so that the soul 
vision is not repressed or when it is to to just push a little um, and to me that and, and that happens naturally but it it doesn't it, it requires skillful um, educators that can truly evoke and to me that's also the essence of sort of that question in um, in the meditation how do we mobilize goodwill <laughs> it's, yes. you know we learn to we learn skills as true educators or true psychologists true therapists even to listen in absolute silence but through the quality of the listening um, and the care that comes with that listening to actually evoke something absolutely it was said just before listening in those little groups of three yeah. uh, at, at this school I mean the girl wants to learn Korean of course the facilitator has no no clue to Korean but she simply does it and the facilitators give the space to let that happen and she she does yeah. and listening uh, it's it's absolutely a very important quality which is I think underdeveloped in the majority of of the people of today exactly exactly and it's also it's a challenge to each one of us like for me listening's a uh, <laughs> it's a skill, it's a skill that a lot more work is needed on and um, you know for yeah, each of us have to take these things as the challenges that the soul's given to them. Wayne has a has an interesting comment taken from the Shawshank Redemption. Um, remember, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of good things, best of things, and no good thing ever dies. Steve, I see there's one hand raised up. Shall we conclude yeah. with that one? Yeah, perfect. Violet. Can you hear me? Yes. We can. Oh, good. I think in closing, this is a good story. I watched it last week on TV where uh, a principal in a school and a classroom teacher began a program where each child, when they came in in the morning, had to relate something of goodwill. What, do you, what did you find uh, that was goodwill? And uh, what, what made you feel good today? So the, each one gave an answer. And there was one incident where a child that was trying to uh, start a fight, the one little boy said to this child, he said, what did you do that was goodwill today? And it didn't escalate further. <laughs> so I thought that was a beautiful program that they instituted. And then the parents were following through too. And uh, that's, I think that's a Waldorf uh, a school approach uh, that, you know, I used years ago too. But it was something good that happened to you today. So thank you for allowing me to comment. <laughs> oh, bless you. Thank you for commenting. <laughs> well, well, that's wonderful. Thank you, everybody. Mitza, over to you. you we, uh, oh, I've not much to say <laughs> than just thank you all for your participation and for all for your good thoughts, which you expressed in the chat, which we unfortunately won't have time to to reply to, but there are really good thought in the chat. Um, let's just take one minute of silence before we conclude. And before we take that minute, I want to, to wish you all, all the best thoughts for, for a new year, which, which will have challenges. But let's just take one minute of silence before we conclude. Thank you very much and please take care.